And uh, we want to open tonight with a word of prayer. And so if you would bow your heads with me as we go before the Lord and ask him to bless what what we expect to be an amazing night together, uh, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are just overwhelmed by your love and grace in our lives. Uh, Lord, we are just speechless when we truly consider all that your love and grace brought into our lives and all the life that you gave us through your grace. Uh, Lord, we hold eternal life because you hold on to us, and we are so thankful for it. Thank you that we do not need to be fearful of circumstances, situations, or what goes on around us because we know our identity rests not in circumstances, not in positions or titles, not in checking accounts or, or jobs or accomplishments. Our identity rests in the person of Jesus Christ, and so thank you for that confidence that we have today. And so, Lord, as we gather together tonight, Lord, to just with great anticipation, great excitement for what you have for Greg and the the ministry, Lord, we are just so thankful to be a part of tonight's service. We thank you, Lord, for these that have come, and we pray you bless them in a mighty way, and we thank you for all that you're doing in our lives and all that you have for us. Father, help us to be disciple makers this week. Help us to be students of your word and help us to be attentive to what you have for us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, tonight we are so excited to be uh, ordaining Greg Blount and uh, bringing him on into uh, youth ministry here at North Goodland. And so we have a lot of things going on tonight. Again, I want to thank you for being here tonight. Um, I'm so excited to have uh, Pastor Tom and his family with us tonight as well. Uh, He'll be speaking in just a a few moments here. Uh, But before uh, we do that, I want to have, in just a few moments, Greg is going to come. He's going to share his heart with us. And uh, But before he does that, I just want to say a few things uh, to kind of set the stage for that. Uh, Greg has been a part of, was a part of our youth ministry for many years, and uh, him along with his family. And I was blessed to be able to to be the youth pastor at that time. Um, Greg then graduated high school, went to Liberty University. I graduated from Liberty University in 2013 uh, with a uh, a degree in youth ministry uh, and has since 2013 been serving here uh, in a lay position in our youth ministry. Uh, In 2016, um, I and Sandra stepped out of youth ministry asking Greg along with Zach and Megan Webb to kind of take over the youth ministry at that point. Uh, Without hesitation, they stepped up. Uh, Since about the summer of 2016, Greg has been the primary teacher, lead teacher for our youth ministry on Wednesday nights, leading also all of our events, organizationally doing all those things, and has been just a tremendous blessing to our church uh, behind the scenes. Long before there was ever a title given to his name, uh, he was committed to these students. And one thing about Greg that I can say confidently is for years, whether he was in high school, college, or or just home working, uh, he was always faithful to the students here, to the ministry here, and I could always count on Greg when we had something going on. Uh, If we were doing a service opportunity and Sandra and I would be trying to figure out what students were coming, he was one of the first ones we knew would be at that event. Um, One thing about Greg and I, when we have worked together on certain projects, it's amazing how we have a gift to take a project that should maybe take an hour and a half and we turn it into like a four-hour project. (laughs) I won't give any examples, but there's a few things around the church that are evidence of this. And uh, it's not that we are incapable of doing what we set out to do. It's just there's so many more trips when we're working together, like the seven trips to the hardware store or things like that. So 
but it's always been a blessing to work with him up to this point, and I am truly excited for what the Lord has for us in the future, not only here at North Goodland, but what he has for Greg uh, personally. Uh, Greg is a blessing to us, and uh, I am excited for tonight. And so uh, the way the service is going to go, Greg's going to come, uh, kind of share his testimony with us, his call, his desire, and his love for these students in his own way. Uh, and then we'll go on from there with some other exciting things for tonight. So, Greg, why don't you come and share what the Lord has laid on your heart? All right, just because I have something to drink doesn't mean I'm going to take forever. I just got a dry mouth right now. All right, but um, so basically, I guess to give um, a background on myself, a testimony, uh, however you want to word it, um, for those of you who don't really know, much about me, which I think is very few of you in the room now. Um, but basically, I, along with you know my siblings, my family, we were raised in church. Um, thinking back, um, I, and not, not in a brag way, braggy way, but I can't really think or remember a Sunday, um, like a, especially a Sunday morning, where wasn't at church. Um, maybe even being sick, you know, always being in church. It's, it's hard for me to think back and think about whether or not there was any time when I did miss. Um, but looking back now, I can see how that has been helpful for myself. Uh, but So basically grew up uh, always in the church, always there, um, always having to go. Uh, my dad being in the ministry uh, specifically. And when he was a pastor at a church in Utica, uh, I was six years old. That's when I accepted Christ as my Savior. And... Uh, Ever since then, um, like thinking back now, I, I definitely remember understanding what that meant. But it wasn't until I would say maybe um, my young teen years, uh, and then especially once we moved here uh, and got involved here, where I really kind of um, took ownership of my faith, really kind of um, understood what it meant to be a follower of Christ. Uh, and so, as John was saying, you know, I was always... Uh, um, trying to be involved in doing things. Uh, half the time was maybe just because it was something that I could do to, you know, just something to do. And, you know, knowing people, being friends with people in the group and things like that. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, again, looking back on it, can see the value of those, those, different, uh, those different things I was able, able to be involved in. Uh, most of you, I'm pretty sure all of you know, uh, the reason that, you know, me and my family meaning my siblings, my mom, are even in this area is because uh, when I was 15, my dad passed away. And so we moved up here. Um, and that's one of those things, obviously, where that's a really difficult thing, right? That's really the hardest thing that you'd think you'd ever have to face. Um, but that's where, like I said, when I really took ownership of my faith, that was when I really realized that the only way to get through something like that, yes, we had family around us and things like that, that helped a lot. Um, but the only way you can get through something like that is to lean on God. And that's what I really learned through all of that. And um, I've talked about this many times, whether it's with the teens on Wednesday night or Sunday nights with Rick. Um, and just meeting that, I don't understand how somebody can go through something like that or any other kind of difficult situation without leaning on God and trusting in him. Um, so that's where I, I, I really say that I really started to kind of look to God and lean on him. Um, John mentioned that I, uh, that I went to Liberty University. That's where I decided to go going out of college. And I actually started out as a computer science major. 
I didn't really know why. Um, I knew I knew that I enjoyed, you know, working with computers, doing things like that, um, just you know, on a very surface level, I guess. And I really, um, I don't know if it was due to lack of really trying to figure it out, but really didn't think of anything else that I would go to study. So I was like, oh, you know, kind of enjoy that and give that a try, you know. Um, and so I figured, you know, also the first couple of years are just kind of doing random classes anyway. I have a few years to kind of figure it out. Um, well, I was, I was doing that, and um, my freshman year, actually, um, I think it was the end of my first semester, I had uh, had the fortune of actually living in the same area as the RA and um, the SLD, the spiritual life director, which um, I've mentioned it here before, you know, when I took on that position, I always kind of thought that that, you know, that title seemed kind of pompous, you know, I'm the spiritual life director. I direct everyone's spiritual life on the dorm. <laughs> but, you know, really, it was just a, a prayer leader to the prayer leaders. This is how they simplified it. Um, but anyway, at the end of my first semester, having lived with those guys, getting to know them, there was going to be an opening for a prayer leader the following semester. And so my, my friend who happened to be the SLD, he asked me if that's something I'd want to do. Um, and up until then, the, the only thing that I had ever done kind of teaching a devotional or anything like that was actually here on a Sunday night in the Yes service when the youth group just kind of led the service. Um, and I have no idea what I talked about. Uh, might have been a total of three minutes and made no sense. Might have included some heresy even, I don't know. But uh, um, that was really the only time that I had done anything like that. And so I told him, I was like, I don't know, I'm not sure. And he's like, well, you know, think about it, pray about it, and let me know. Um, and so eventually came around to, to doing that. And basically what my job to do was to lead a small group of guys, five or six guys on a Tuesday night in a Bible study. Um, and then also really just kind of grow close to them, pray for them, you know, just pray with them, uh, just kind of be somebody that they could go to uh, for really kind of anything. Um, and as I got into it, I, you know, felt more and more comfortable doing that. And then that following summer, summer after my freshman year, came back home and immediately, as John said, started serving in the youth group and uh, was able to kind of do different things like that, some teaching here and there, um, but really just kind of serving. And uh, went back the next year, still a computer science major. Um, and that was when the actual computer classes started to kick in. And uh, I remember there was one class that I was doing, I was programming, do it, working with some coding languages. And like I was getting it, like I was understanding it, you know, doing well with it. But I just said, this is not fun at all. Like, <laughs> you know, I write pages and pages of this code just to get this light to, to blink green or whatever. And I was like, I appreciate the people who do this. That's great. But it's, it's definitely not for me. And so that was when I really kind of started trying to figure out, think like, what is it that I should be doing? What, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? And really just kind of came back to God reminded me of, you know, especially the summer before, when I was here serving with the youth group about how, um, how much I enjoyed it, how much I felt like I was having an impact there with them, um, and really just feeling that that's something that God could really use me in. And so, um, you know, after prayer and discussing with some different people, just kind of really thinking about that, that was when I changed my major to uh, youth ministry. And then from that point on, whether it was, you know, in my youth classes or back here serving in youth ministry, um, God just reaffirmed that, you know, every step of the way that this is what he wants me to do. Uh, so when I graduated in 2013, came back here and just kind of uh, jumped right in. Um, and 
there, I had kind of reached out to a couple different places and um, kind of, you know, kind of feeling around. And it, when you're looking for jobs in that kind of area, as opposed to, I guess, if you want to call them regular jobs out in the world, it's a little bit different. You know, there's not always, you know, availability or openings right around you and things like that. Um, and so uh, just praying through a lot of it, some of it, you know, didn't just really feel right. And I just really felt that at least for now, God wants me to be here serving with these teens and uh, just serving in this ministry. And so that's, that's pretty much what I did, you know, uh, picked up a, another job on the side and was doing that. And uh, just really kind of, you know, it was, it wasn't my job, but it was something that I really enjoyed doing that I, I wanted to pour my time into. Um, fast forward to recently, um, you know, John had started talking to me about, you know, possibly, you know, coming on and serving as a youth pastor. And this had been after I'd already been teaching on Wednesday nights and uh, along with Zach and Megan kind of leading things. And, uh, and they've obviously been a huge help. Um, but so John was kind of talking to me about that, about possibly coming on. And uh, then I forget exactly when it was maybe back in March when he had mentioned to me about, you know, offering me that position. And I know the, one of the first things that I said to him um, about it, about, you know, how, how I was excited about it, but how I was excited to where um, I could really start to put the amount of time into that ministry that I felt that I needed to. I always felt, you know, with working a, a different job that any kind of time that I was putting into it was almost like, okay, I got to make sure I got to get this taken care of and almost felt kind of rushed doing it and felt like I wasn't giving it the attention that it needed. Um, and so that's what I told them that I was excited to where I can have, you know, so much time throughout the week that's dedicated just to that. And I can feel that I'm giving it all the attention that it, that it needs and that I feel that I should be giving it. Um, so that's really uh, how, how this all came about. But working with the teens, um, you know, on Wednesday nights and teaching, uh, or whether it's, you know, doing activities on Wednesday nights or going to different events throughout the year um, or doing all-nighters, which, um, you know, even going back to when I got, was home from school and serving with John, um, we would always get to a certain point throughout the night. It was always about, you know, 5, 5.30 in the morning, um, the people who are still awake are pretty much zombies. Um, nobody seems to be having fun anymore. And we would just kind of look at each other and go, why do we do this every year? Why do we do this? And every time we do that. And, but we still did it because, you know, those last couple hours kind of seemed like they dragged on, kind of seemed like wasn't much going on. Um, but all the time before that, you know, uh, was lots of fun creating memories with different people, uh, building relationships, um, and so that's, that's just part of why I really enjoy it. But I would say probably the biggest thing, um, especially since starting to regularly teach on Wednesday nights, that I enjoy about working with the teens is, and I've mentioned this before preaching on Sundays, about how like you can go weeks on time teaching them, and you're telling them these different things, and they're just kind of staring back at you, and you don't know if anything's going on behind their eyes. You know, It just feels like they're just sitting there, and nothing's going on. And then the next week you go to do something, do kind of like a review, a recap of the previous weeks, um, or you mention something and one of them perks up, gives an answer and, you know, gives an explanation to this one thing. And it's like word for word of what was in the outline. I'm like, 
they're actually listening, you know? <laughs> and it's, it's that kind of moment right there where I can kind of see in them where, you know, something kind of clicks. And that's when, you know, all the times when maybe you have an event that happens or a Wednesday night when, you know, the crowd might not be as big as you'd want it to be, um, where sometimes it can get kind of uh, difficult to continue on and work through that. It's the moments like that, you know, when you kind of see that click, when you're building those relationships and those all-nighters, when you kind of look and you say, okay, this, this makes it totally worth it. And you can also see, okay, God is using me in their lives. Um, so that's really, um, I guess, my uh, personal spiritual background, but also my call into youth ministry and uh, what I enjoy about serving uh, with the teens and just looking forward to being able to go more in depth uh, with that. And I was joking with Alan before the service about how, you know, things are going to change now and going to be much more like a, a dictator. But I told him, I was like, really, it's, I mean, not much is going to change, you know, aside from, I guess, the official title. You know, I, there's no reason to really just throw everything out the window. But um, I'm definitely really looking forward to uh, this opportunity to be able to serve with them. Um, and then also I know we have um, a group coming up here in the summer. Um, so we're definitely going to break them in uh, as soon as we can, you know, initiate them and uh, try to go gentle on them and be nice. But, uh, yeah, they know who they are. But uh, so, yeah, that's, that's uh, I guess, my call to youth ministry and what I enjoy about doing it. All right. Uh, well, I appreciate Greg sharing his heart with us tonight. Um, and so what we're going to do now is um, we're going to actually uh, make it official. I guess we'll say it that way. Um, and so what we'd like to do is, uh, on behalf of myself, um, as a senior pastor here, uh, in agreement and unanimous agreement with all of our leadership from our deacons and our trustees, um, all agreeing with uh, bringing Greg on as a part-time youth pastor, as well as ordaining him into pastoral ministry uh, with the endorsement of Pastor Tom Blount. Uh, we are excited to present Greg to you as a church uh, for approval into senior pa or to pastoral ministry and youth ministry, specifically here at North Goodland. And so that is the motion of our leadership. And so I'm going to ask all of our members that are in agreement with that motion to say aye. Aye. Any opposed? All right, and so what we're going to do at this time is we're going to have, uh, Greg's going to come, and we're going to lay hands on him, and let me just explain quickly why we do this. Um, no, Rick, that's not what that means. Um, <laughs> he thought, oh, finally, finally. <laughs> now, what you guys do after the service, I don't really care, but uh, biblically, what laying on of hands represents is that we as a church and as believers, some of Greg's family is here today as well, the followers of Christ. We're going to come together, and the laying on of hand is a symbolic gesture of we're kind of putting Greg into ministry. We're saying on behalf of this local church, we believe in the call over Greg's life. We believe that God has gifted him with talents and abilities to be able to serve as a youth pastor specifically, but in pastoral ministry as a whole. 
And so we're going to do that tonight in a way of uh, putting our hands on him to pray over him. Uh, but also, let me say this. Uh, this is also entering into in a relationship with Greg. This means that uh, you're going to pray for him beyond tonight. Support him with love and encouragement as a, as a youth pastor here at North Goodland, but just in pastoral ministry as a whole. And so we're going to do that at this time. And so Greg's going to come and join us up front here at the altar. I'm going to ask all the men of the church, this is our leadership, and any men that would like to come, please go ahead and come forward at this time. Uh, Pastor Tom, you can join us as well. We're going to pray over Greg tonight. And so I'm going to ask you guys to go ahead and gather around and um, go ahead and, and lay hands on him. And with great excitement, we are looking forward to what the Lord has for us. And so... Um, amen. I'm going to ask, obviously, everyone else to go ahead and pray with us as well. And so, men, would you go ahead and place your hands on Greg? And let's ask the Lord to do mighty things through this ministry that he is beginning in Greg's life. But also, we get to partner with him, and we are excited about that. Father, we come before you tonight. We are so thankful. Lord, not just for Greg's salvation, not just for the way in which you moved in his life to call him into pastoral ministry, but Lord, we are excited for what you have for him, the way you've gifted him, and we pray, Lord, that as he goes forth from the service tonight, Lord, whatever his journey looks like from this point forward, I pray, Lord, that he would walk in you, in your word. I pray that you would keep your hand upon him. I pray that you would bless him with wisdom and knowledge. And Lord, I pray that above all things that he would keep his eyes on you, that he would humbly submit himself to you as a follower of Christ, to allow you to lead him and to guide him into whatever ministries you open before him. Father, we thank you so much for his willingness to serve, his willingness to reach these students and encourage them with your word and with your gospel. And so, Lord, we pray that you would bless this ordination that you would bless this time as we've gathered around him, Lord, as a church. And we pray, Lord, that as one body, as one church, that we would unite together to continually pray for him, to pray for wisdom. Rather, Lord, than giving a critical word, may we give an encouraging word. May we encourage him in whatever you lead him in. So, Father, we thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you for allowing us to serve you in this way. We pray, Lord, that you'd bless them in a mighty way. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, men. You may be seated. Amen. At this time, as is tradition at an ordination, um, I asked Sandra how I should go about saying this. And so I'm going to say what what we talked about, but I'm going to have the doctor, Thomas Blount. He's going to come, and he is a doctor, by the way. I just had to say that. So uh, Pastor Tom's going to come. Obviously, Pastor Tom was Greg's senior pastor for a number of years, as well as his uncle, and uh, I am personally really excited to have Tom here uh, to share a charge to Greg, an encouraging word, I'm sure, and uh, I know personally, I say it every time that Tom is, is with us, um, I am personally blessed by Tom and Judy uh, in my own life and ministry. Um, I can promise you and guarantee you that I would not be at North Goodland Baptist Church without them, without their love and support over the years. And so it is great to have friends like them in ministry, 
but also just as followers of Christ to partner with them in what God is doing through the local church. And so, Tom, why don't you come and share with us? Thanks, Pastor John. Uh, Greg, you've got to listen, okay? You have to listen to this because it's really important. First of all, I want you to know that uh, if somehow, some way I can get through this without shedding a tear, it will be an absolute miracle because your grandfather would absolutely be thrilled. Your dad would be absolutely thrilled as well. And I, as your uncle, am beyond thrilled to be a part of this. And uh, my dad often told me, he said, you know, you better be ready at any given time to give a reason of your faith. And Greg called me a few weeks ago, and uh, I was honored. I mean, immediately, buddy, I, I, I immediately... Uh, sent out a uh, an invite to every single one of my family members uh, on on the calendar and said, you know, this is your father speaking. You're coming, <laughs> but Greg's being ordained, and so. But you have to understand something. Now, some of you are going to get maybe a little perturbed at this, but I'm going to speak the truth, Greg. I don't ever remember you asking me to speak your charge. So I'm walking in tonight, and TJ looks at me with this mic, and he's like, that's for you. And I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> so it's interesting. Um, when I think about all of our lives, I think about how God just looks down upon us into the years that I've learned about his grace. Uh, nothing surprises him. And Greg, I remember the men in my council asked me one day before I was ordained and says, well, what if we do not see fit to call you as a pastor, as a minister of the gospel? I said it with all humility because my dad taught me, your grandfather taught me, as Paul said, I am called of God, not of men. You're going to have disapproval of other people in your lives. You're going to begin to fret and fear that you're not doing the right thing, but you keep your eyes on Jesus. And, man, I'm telling you what, don't you let anybody ever tell you you need a secondary, uh, some type of a secondary income to take care of you, which is good at times, which you've already proven, is uh, God has a great plan for you, and I'm going to share that with you tonight. So some of you don't know who I am. Obviously, I'm Greg Blount's uh, uncle, and uh, I really think the only reason why I'm asked here today is because the rest of them have passed on. So <laughs> it's an interesting thing that we've been involved with, isn't it? And Greg, you're right. I have no earthly idea how people face tragedy in life without Jesus. But people don't know what they don't know. This morning I was able to preach from the Word of God an interesting passage of Scripture where uh, Moses actually was called of God. And we all understand Moses' call upon the Lord and his life was, his first 40 years was very successful in his own eyes. You have to understand he was ex absolutely looked up to in his own eyes from the standpoint of what he did. And the Word of God says in Acts chapter 7 verse 22, it actually says that uh, he was excellent in word and speech. Don't worry about being excellent in word and speech. You give people Jesus, and the word says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. 
Yes, we need to prepare. We need to be ready. And that's very interesting because it says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience. That's not easy. Complete patience in teaching. It's interesting, as I looked across the room, and you were actually making a statement where sometimes when you're actually speaking, people's eyes are glazed over, and they don't look really confident. And I'm thinking right now, yeah, I, I can hear what you're saying because some of these people could probably care less what I'm actually saying. They're thinking, we're just here for you. But Mr. Ken Hipsley, my fifth-grade Sunday school teacher, was so faithful, and he's still faithful at the same church I came to when I was nine months old. I'm 56. Kids would come up to him many times and say, Hey, Mr. Hipsley, I remember when you taught me. Full-grown men and full-grown men. I remember when you taught me about so-and-so. You just give them Jesus and you be patient, patient, and continue forth in your teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound doctrine, but having itching ears, and they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. He said, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. You've already suffered more than what most people suffer in a lifetime. Endure. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. For I'm ready. He says this. Listen to what he says here. Most people stop right at verse He says, for I am ready to be poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. And we understand that Paul is at the end of his journey, and he knows that he's about ready to leave. But I don't think that's the key of what he's trying to say. He says, I have fought a good fight. I want you to fight a good fight. He said, I have finished the race. I want you to finish. He said, I've kept the faith. That's the most important. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on the day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing, and that's you. Do you see what he said? A, a drink offering. I don't know if you know this, but many of you, if you take a glass of water and you pour it upon the ground, I venture to say none of you will ever get one clean drop of that water back in your glass. You say, what does that mean? I truly believe that when we are called of God, our life is not our own. We're all bought with a price. But we're called of God to live according to what God's will is for our lives. And if you would pour yourself in the fashion out to people, out as unto the Lord, there's really not going to be anything left of you. There will be times in your life where you want to quit. I've wanted to quit. Usually it's Mondays. Sometimes Sunday nights. Easy now. But we continue. Because something takes place when you pour yourself completely out. You're absolutely revived once again. And when I think about pouring ourselves out into the Lord... It seems that a few people actually get wet 
along the way. So that's what I think about for a moment. But if I could share with you five things that I was able to teach the people this morning from the Word of God that I really think in just brevity because there's a couple other things that the Lord laid upon my heart. Moses, when he was called, was called of God that he was going to lead the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, which we all know is a picture of bondage. You're going to be called to do that day in and day out for people. But there's going to be a key at the end of what I say tonight that I believe if you'll come to before I as your uncle ever came to, way on into my ministry, you'll have great success beyond anything you could ever think of, ask for, or imagine. You're going to ask yourself many times a question, and this is for you as well. Moses said, who am I? Who am I? You're going to ask yourself the questions because you're going to look at yourself and think to yourself, well, who am I? Because I'm really not good enough to really do this. If you realize in Moses' life when he was speaking at the first few years of his life, the word says, as I told you in Acts 7, 22, he was excellent in word and deed. But the second 40 years of his life, he's a shepherd boy, so to speak, shepherd man because he's a full-grown man out in the wilderness. So he begins to question himself and asking himself, who am I really that I could actually do this? I'm not really good enough. And he says, what could I? What could I actually do or say? The scriptures actually open up and he's having this confrontation with the Lord because I know that you've never done this and you have probably never done it. We argue with God. And he's actually getting after, so to speak, to the Lord. He's protesting. He says, whoa, 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 who am I? You're asking me to go. And he says, well, what could I possibly say or do that they're actually going to do anything anyways? He protests the third time within the scriptures, and it's an interesting thing because he actually says, well, why should I? Why should I? Why should I stay up late at night and do all these things I do with the kids because they don't really care anyways. They're all sleeping anyways. You know, there's going to be parents that many times in your life when they think, well, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do Well, why didn't you? That's what you want to say sometimes. Don't say that. <laughs> but you'll say it to yourself, and many of us have done this. We say, well, why should I really do this? They're not going to really listen to me or nothing's really going to happen anyways. We don't know that. We don't know that. What did he say to young Timothy? He said, be patient. Patient. Because there's many times in our lives we come to the point in our lives where we say, well, how could I? Moses' interaction with God in the moment of when he was actually talking to the Lord at that time was actually he's protesting, he's actually asking the Lord, it actually gets to the time now, and then he begins to plead. Now he's pleading with the Lord, and he's actually saying from Scripture, he says, well, how could I? There's no way in the world I can do this. There's a key there in all of our lives, and I hope you all get this. You can't, but he can. I can't do it very well. Exodus chapter 4 actually begins to talk about how Moses began to stutter, couldn't even keep a sentence structure together. Before he was excellent in word and deed, but see, many times in our lives, until the Lord really strips us down, and when I say strip us down, it may be different than what you're actually saying. There is a word that I've learned with my mentor since many years ago to help me understand it's to get to the point where we are discredited in what we once knew to be truth is not truth. This is truth based upon the word. Moses is stripped away of the idea that what he can do, he can do in his own power. You can't do it in your own power. 
You can't do it in your own might. You can't do it in your own spirit. So he says, well, how could I? And the last thing he actually says to the Lord when he pleads, he says, you know what, if you just do me a favor, why don't you send somebody else? Moses is saying, not me. Trust me, Greg. There will be times when you'll actually get to the point of deep, dark despair where you're thinking, I can't do this. Could you just find somebody else? But I'm going to refer back to what he said here. You may think that, but your grandfather told me many, many years ago, and I don't mean to add to his words, but I will, because uh, I think that my dad realized he wasn't always right. But he said, Tom, you can think about quitting, but don't quit. I've thought about that many times. But our thinking is very powerful, and our thinking comes from what we believe, what we bought into. And I'm going to leave you with something here in just a moment that I believe will take you to the other end of that is I don't want you to think of ever quitting. I want you to think of what you were designed to be. It's not so much that my dad was wrong in what he was saying, but it's many times we do think of quitting, and it's like I just plow through, plow through, plow through, and that's fine. When I think about what he actually brings to us in the Word, I think about this. Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, and I believe this is so key for all of us, I don't know if you've ever been able to do this with everybody in your life, and I know there was a time in my life that I could say that. And for some reason, maybe over the last few years, I haven't been able to say it as with convincing conviction in power. To pillow my head at the end of the night and to say this, there's not a person upon the face of the earth that when I think about it, I don't thank God for. Paul said that. He was writing to the church at Philippi, and he says, I thank my God for every remembrance I have of you. Now, don't get me wrong, you guys, but I've been associated with Baptist churches my whole life, and you all ain't very nice. <laughs> How could he say that? I mean, it's different when you think of Dave and Andy Rumry. You know what I mean? I mean, here's a couple people in their 50s still matching clothes. And there's so many great people around here that I could talk about. Honestly, I, you know, I could start talking about just about every one of you from the standpoint of us knowing you. You're wonderful. Yes, I do thank God for all of you. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for Steve and Kelly Proctor. We drove back and forth to come up to a little church out in the middle of nowhere. We're out of my office window. There was only three houses, and the rest was chickens and cows and pigs and beans and corn. They fed us on Sundays, sent us home on Sunday nights, and allowed us to come up here at a 33 years of age and just do what we knew to do. Do what you know to do. Trust the Lord with it, but don't look back. But how did Paul get to the point where he could say, I thank God upon my every remembrance of you? Really? Come on, Pastor John, you know there's people that really, maybe they've done wrong to you, didn't even know it. Maybe they specifically did wrong, and they knew it. God says in his word, those who do not take offense in my name's sake are blessed. So I say that to say to you this evening, Greg, you are called of God, not of these great people. 
although they, it's kind of a stamp of approval. It's a beautiful thing. I got a couple things hanging in my office at, uh, over in Port Huron, ordination, doctorate's degree. Didn't come with any pad of paper I could write you know, prescriptions with, but those are all fine and dandy. But there's some names on that, young man. I wouldn't walk across the street to go see. And I'm not being mean, but I still thank God for them. Things change. And here's what I believe the key is, and I hope we all can understand this. Paul said this when he was writing to the church at Corinth. He says this, I considered your calling, my calling. Brothers, not many of us are wise according to the worldly standards. Not many are powerful. Not many were of noble birth. Buddy, we didn't come from money. In fact, when we get to heaven, we're going to have a bone to pick with your grandfather. He gave it all away. But not many of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world. And I'm not pointing to you. I'm pointing to me because he chose me and he chose John. We think you're bright. We think you're intelligent. But he chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are. Mm. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. No human being could ever boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you, Greg, are in Christ. Christ Jesus, who became to us the wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. You're going to have great accomplishments. I tell my kids all the time, I hope and pray that somehow, some way, they'll understand the grace of God way beyond when I understood it finally and still don't understand it fully. To boast in anything is to boast in Jesus. If I could leave you with anything, I would leave you with the clarity of your life and your calling comes from God and God alone. And what takes place in the clarity of that, in the firm foundation of the truth shall set you free, is that there will be such a contentment in what he's called you to do for this reason. When Paul was writing to the church at Ephesus, and I was told when I walked in, and I'm sorry if you're upset with this, but I was told I had an hour and a half. (laughs) Paul says to the church at Ephesus, Greg, and I say this to you, and I made sure I jotted it down for you. For you, Greg Blount.
are God's masterpiece. He has called you anew in Christ Jesus. So you can do the good things he planned for you long ago. The word masterpiece in the Greek means an absolute piece of art, creation. I know that your minds cannot really comprehend what I'm getting ready to tell you because I'm a very profound man. But before God ever created the heavens and the earth, he chose you. I don't understand that. The great preacher of the 17th century, Spurgeon, said he had to choose me before I was created because he would have never picked me after I was born. (laughs) Greg, you're a masterpiece. I'm confident that that's not going to go to your head, that that it would be an arrogance. But you're an absolute work of art. And he's called you to give one thing. There's a verse in the Bible that said that people come to know Christ by the preaching of the word. And the word means Christos. It's Jesus. Don't ever fail to give people Jesus. But the only reason why I really think that Paul was able to have a great remembrance of everybody he thought of is because he absolutely loved people. In the last month of my life here recently... I've come to find out that there's a passage many times throughout Scripture that it seems that we preachers and teachers of the Word want to help God out with His plan, so to speak, and we've got to tell people what to do. We know that God was using Moses and He brought in Ten Commandments, but before it was ever thought of, before we ever got the Bible into our hands, we found out there was about 636 laws out of 10 laws. And you and I both know, all of us know, that you cannot keep the law. The law was never put in place for you to keep, but to show that you have fallen short of the glory of God. So we have 10, then it goes into 636. But there's an interesting statement when they were asking Jesus and absolutely trying to trap Jesus, what did they say? You know, Master you're, you're pretty wise. Could you tell us what the greatest commandment of all is? And you know what he says? You all know. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And then what does he say? But just as, love others. He was so smooth in his delivery. Don't try to be like Jesus. The first funeral I ever did, I thought I was going to have to try to raise a dead person to life. Because everything Jesus did in the funerals, he raised people to life. And I'm like, I can't do that. But Jesus was so smooth, Greg, and so here's what he said. Both of them are the same. You can't love God without loving people, and you can't love people without receiving God's love. But before John's mission was ever done, before his ministry was ever done, and if you'll get this, I think this is how you're going to be able to look at every single person here, every single person that ever does you wrong, whatever, and you love them and thank God for them, is there's a statement in Scripture where he says, John, you got everything else, but you only need to remember one thing. And it's all throughout Paul's teaching, and John was used to say it, is love other people as I have loved you. 
But we want to make it a law to everybody what they need to do, what you can't do, what you should do. You better read your Bible, which is true. You need to read. But search Scripture and find out. He said, I forgave you, forgive others. Just as I have forgiven you, forgive others. As I have loved you, love others. As I have bared your burdens, bear others. As I have been kind to others, you be kind. It's amazing. It's all throughout Scripture. Greg, you're called of God. Answer the call. Answer the call. But boast in one thing, Jesus Christ. Because here's the thing. God resists the proud, 1 Peter 5, 5 but gives grace to the humble. Grace is unmerited favor. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. Some of you here tonight trying to earn your way back into what you think you need to do or become or be. You can't. It's unmerited, unearned, undeserved. He resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. So the bottom line is, how can he use you? When you say, I can't, you can. You never said I could. But you're just waiting for me to say that I can't. And I'm going to let you do it through me, with me, and within me. I'm proud of you. And I want to close in a word of prayer because it's 7 o'clock. That's pretty cool on the back wall, John. I don't know. I don't have one of those. <laughs> Am I supposed to do anything else? You're going to get final... Oh, he's going to tie up what I was supposed to say. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, I love what the psalmist says. It's been good to be in the house of the Lord. It could be in a house. It could be in a trailer. But today, it's here at North Northland Baptist Church. I thank you for giving me the wonderful privilege of just trying in some way to encourage Greg in the days and weeks and months and years to come to just love people. And the only way he's going to love people is to receive your love for him unconditionally. It's not based upon what he does. It's not based upon what he says, but based upon whose he is because who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. There's nothing I could say to that. That was perfect. It was just wonderful. Uh, we are going to invite you to stay with us for a time of fellowship in the room next door. Uh, there is some cake that's going to be uh, provided. Uh, I will ask if you have children that are younger. Um, I'm not going to name names, but just please make sure you are with your children when they get the cake. Um, you know, pieces will be cut up and we don't want a piece like this, you know. Um, and so, uh, are we all ready to go back there, Ann and those? If uh, you guys want to head back there and make sure we're set up. Um, let me say again how thankful I am for you being here tonight. Um, it means the world to us, and I know it means the world to Greg. And uh, I'm excited for what the years and months have ahead, as Tom said. And so, uh, again, thank you for being here. Continue to support and encourage him. Uh, Tom has already prayed for us. And so what we're going to do at this time is go ahead and dismiss you to the next room. Spend some time in fellowship there. And thank you for being here. God bless you and have a great week.